0: Yeah, I'm the sucker that has to follow up baby dedication. <laughs> uh, sorry, uh, doesn't sound or look as cute as what just happened, but it's very hard to transition from baby dedication and super cute things into Ecclesiastes, am I right? And first service, service, uh, Heidi and I got to be up here, Heidi's my wife, and... We got to dedicate Sam, and it was just this beautiful moment, right? Dedicating babies is just so cute, but also it helps me think of life events like this and go, how did we get here? And now I'm not talking about hanky-panky, okay? (laughs) Listen, I know how kids are born, kind of, but what I'm talking about is the years behind this, of leading and God working through uncertainty to get to the point we are today. And so I thought it'd be wise to actually bring us back to 2015, a year that radically shifted the direction of my life. Yet it started out with a lot of uncertainty and fear. In sin. See, in 2015, I had a job with Youth for Christ at Granite Bay High School. I was with them, I was helping at Valley Springs Church, the youth group as well, and I was so focused on ministry and so focused on building this image. I was also dating somebody that I thought I was going to marry at the time. And it seemed like everything was headed in the right direction. Good job, just changed my degree from mathematics to philosophy. And, well, that was a little bit before this. But studying these things that I'm like, this is going to be good for me in the path of ministry. And yet it was all based upon a lie. I developed a habit of lying every time I spoke. I didn't want people to know who I was. My relationship with this girl was based upon lies that I built because I didn't want anyone to know who I really was. When I taught, when I preached, I would use examples that were not true, that were complete lies, because if I just led people to Jesus, that's all that mattered. I know what the Bible says about false teachers, and I knew then I didn't care what happened to my soul. I did not want people to know me. So I lied and I lied and I lied. And it wasn't just when I was preaching or teaching. It became apparent in all of my life. I was lying to my family. I was lying to my friends. I lied nonstop because I didn't want people to know who I was. And so this idea and this certain path that I had of being with Youth for Christ and being with Valley Springs and doing all these things was all built on a lie. And in a matter of months, everything was gone. January 2015, I'm sitting at the Starbucks off of Douglas and Sierra College in that Safeway parking lot. I'm sitting there and I look over and I see the director of Youth for Christ walked in. I go, oh, that's that's interesting. I mean, it's kinda near his house. No, not a big deal. Oh wait, there's the right hand person. Oh wait, there's the leadership team. What? What's going on? I get pulled outside and I get fired. Then and there. So this idea of this career path and the certainty that I had gone. I was told I wasn't meant for ministry. And I... I was like, "Gosh, I don't, I don't know what to do." <laughs> I'm going to school and studying about why the world believes the God I believe in doesn't exist, and here I am fired from a ministry position. Who will ever hire me? And what am I supposed to do with a philosophy degree? <laughs> and then I. Sit and I reach out to a pastor just trying to process everything. And he tells me, Listen, this could be the best thing that ever happened to you if for the next year you pour into Jesus. And at the time I was like, What the freak does that mean? (laughs) Do you not understand that my life is falling apart? That people are going to know that I built my entire life, everything on lies every relationship gone trust between parents and a child gone best friends gone my life was uncertain the relationship i was in ended probably a good thing (laughs) it was built on a lie I was in a deep state of depression, and my life was so uncertain. I literally had no idea what I was going to do for work. I would go to school, and I would constantly hear about why these brilliant men in front of me didn't believe in God, but I couldn't wrap my head around it. And yet, here I am, and everything in my life seemed chaotic. And so one day, I reach out to that pastor again. And we go to a restaurant called Coco's. I don't think they exist anymore. (laughs) They do. Perfect. (laughs) And we're sitting there, and I'm like crying at the table, and he passes an application across the table. And he says, I cannot tell you to apply for this. And I will tell you that if you do, I will call this camp and tell them not to hire you. But when I pray and when I think about this internship that this camp is starting for this summer, your name continually comes to my mind. You need to apply. And so I apply for this camp reluctantly. I, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to go to the interview. I didn't want to hear from another person about how, why because I messed up, I will never be meant for ministry. I didn't want to hear it again. And in fact, when I pulled up to the camp, the office was behind me and I cried in my car. Nobody wants to start an interview crying in their car. (laughs) And yet I go in and I usually love interviews. If anybody has had coffee with me, I love asking questions. I love being asked questions. It's a good way to get to know people, right? This was the worst interview of my entire life, okay? In my interview here, Mark dropped my food twice, okay? (laughs) I'm crying, and this is how the interview kind of started, was the director at the time looks at me and goes, so I reached out to your references, and they say, you have a really good work ethic, but there's some reserve. What's the reserve? What's going on? Just straightforward. But he was testing me to see if I would be honest. And I thought, what else do I have to lose? So I was honest. And I shared with them what happened and everything. And we're sitting there, and I can't believe that this interview is taking place, that I'm sharing these things with this person. And I'm like, there's no way that they should hire me. None. None at all. And yet a couple weeks later, I get this phone call, and they say, hey, we're hiring you for three months during the summer to be our first trial for interns and that summer changed my life (laughs) ministry the gospel the grace mercy and forgiveness of god became real to me people liked me for who i was and not who i pretended to be people loved me and showed me the grace of god in ways that i will never forget but it was also so tangible Because in the past, I had been used to using my gifts through speaking. But then I realized that ministry is not about your story. It's not about having the best message. It's not about prestige. It's not about a following. No, it's about serving. Jesus came to serve and not be served. And at this camp, I cleaned toilets, I cleaned dishes, I washed the pool, I chopped firewood, I did a lot of gross things because kids do gross things at camp with throw up and poop. But you learn. And I radically learned what it meant to live in the forgiveness of God. I didn't share this first service, but it's just coming to my mind right now that I had such a hard time accepting the fact that I was forgiven. Such a hard time. But the director of the camp would sit with me in his office and hold me as I cried and just would remind me over and over again, Nathan, you are forgiven. That's the gospel of Jesus. And I promise this all relates to the message and it relates to everything. <laughs> but if it wasn't for that summer, I don't know if I would recognize the gospel as the forgiveness, freedom, and love of God. But that's what it is. And we aren't meant to have prestige. No, we're meant to serve and love the people around us. That is what that summer meant to me, but it meant so much more. Because in 2016, when I graduated from Sac State, I got hired there full-time. And the craziest part about this whole thing <laughs> That 10 minutes away from that camp in the middle of nowhere was a young woman named Heidi. (laughs) Man, if I lived in the uncertainty and if I was paralyzed by the uncertainty and if I didn't take a step of faith or if I didn't trust God in the process, I never would have met my wife. And so when we do the baby dedication, and when we have times like this and I have a second to step back and think I'm led back to this point and I remember the fact that even in the uncertainty of life even in the chaos even in our own sin God is at work in our uncertainty God is at work restoring his people one step at a time So when I think of baby dedication I can't help but think of how uncertainty can lead to rejoicing and remembering the creator of the universe. Because he is at work behind the scenes far more than we can ever imagine. And through our messes and through our fears, excuses, sins, and uncertainty, God is there guiding us all along the way. And that is what the sermon today is about that the uncertainty in life will come. But we can choose to rejoice and remember the creator of the universe. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ecclesiastes 11. And Mark, I'm going to pull an audible. Can you read this for me?
1: It's an honor to uh, be chosen for my great reading voice. <clears throat> uh, we'll, we'll see if Nathan's voice makes it all the way through the second service. You're going to read all the way through the, okay. So Ecclesiastes 1, 11, 1, and we're going to read all the way through 12, verse 8. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. Or whether both alike will be good. Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent, and the grinders cease because they are few, and those who look through the windows are dimmed. When the doors of the street are shut, when the sound of the grinding is low, and one rises up at the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high, and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, and desire fails, because man is going to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped, and the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, And the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. Thank you, Mark. God, as
0: we dissect these verses, one, I pray that my voice would hold out for at least the next 20 minutes. (laughs) But Lord, I also pray that we would remember how you've been in our lives and working behind the scenes. As we dissect what the preacher is trying to get at, Lord, may we not be fearful of uncertainty, but may we rejoice in your gifts. May we remember you as the creator of the universe. Amen. Ecclesiastes 11 opens up with six verses on the possibility of certainty. Now, why in the world would the first verse be about throwing bread in water? I don't know. It's soggy. It's nasty. And also, why when you throw bread in water would you try to find it after many days? One, birds get it. Two, fish get it. And some commentaries think that these verses have to do with throwing out your finances and trying to like find financial gain. I don't believe that's what this is about. I believe this is just about the uncertainty of life. And are we willing to take a step of faith in uncertainty? You may never find the bread if you throw it out. You may fail if you try, but it's still worth trying. And verse three has to do with the randomness of weather and how we can't control the weather. So I don't think weather has to do with finances, but it does have a lot to do with uncertainty. And I really like verse 4 because this has to do with a farmer. And I know some of us are very much so like the farmer mentioned here. This farmer is observing the wind and will not sow. And he regards the clouds but will not reap. Sow and reap are terms for being in the fields, cutting your crop, putting your crop out, working. But this farmer is sitting back and going, is the, is the climate right? No, that tree is moving, I'm not going outside. No, the, the weather has to be perfect if I'm going to do something. And some of us are like that. But we must understand that there is never full certainty in life about anything. We just have to be willing to step out and take a leap of faith. And there, the truth is there is so much in life we will never understand, right? Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. I mean, look at verses 5 and 6. Verse 5 has to do with the spirit and the womb of a woman growing. And like I said, I understand how, okay? I understand that. But why? Why is that the way it is? Why is it that God made women to bear the child? And why is it that a baby forms the way it does. And I know some of you scientifically minded people will be like, "Well, that's easy. This is why and how and what." No, those only answer how and what. They cannot answer why. There are some things in this world that we will never truly understand. And in fact, verse 5 continues and it says, "So we are so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. God is at work despite whether we recognize it or not. He's continuing to work behind the scenes, and there are some questions we will never have answered. Verse 6 speaks to that too. How can we know whether we're going to prosper or not? You can't. But you should still sow your seed. We should still continue to take steps even when uncertainty is all around us uncertainty should not paralyze us we have a choice to act and then in the next set of verses we see an encouragement to move towards rejoicing verses 7 through 10 have to do with two things primarily the first one is rejoicing in our youth in other words enjoy your life and honestly i don't think this youth has to do with like age i think it has to do with mindset can i get an amen There we go. Because honestly, in the scope of eternity, y'all are young. Okay? Yeah. And so when we see verses like this, enjoy your youth, yeah, maybe it's about enjoying like our physical self at this moment, but it doesn't mean you just go around and do whatever you want, right? No, it's about enjoying what God has given us doing things that are healthy for ourselves. Remember, the preacher is saying this towards the end of the book, after he pursued all the pleasures he wants, after he pursued sexual pleasure, after he pursued everything he wanted and he realized it was worthless. He is now saying, enjoy your youth, enjoy the gifts that God gives you. But, and this is the second theme, remember that God will bring you into judgment so basically these verses are saying enjoy your youth but remember there are consequences to your actions no one lives forever and in verse 9 i feel like that Encapsulates the entire theme of this section. It says, Rejoice, O young man or woman, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Now, I know some of us will hear, Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, and go, Well, that sounds like you can do whatever you want, right? But what if, for a moment, this preacher is thinking you've already understood everything else he said and you recognize that it just leads to nothing. And instead, right here, what he is saying is, what if your heart is so devoted to remembering God and rejoicing in what he's giving you that your heart is already naturally bent to the things that are healthy, that your eyes are already bent to the things that you should pursue? Rejoice in those things. And at the end, he says, remember your creator because God created everything and he is the ultimate judge of all. Which is where the final chapter of Ecclesiastes begin. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. A call to remember God and all he has done. It's a call to sit and reflect on the ways in which God has been present in your life. And the cool part about this section of Scripture is it's also a callback to Genesis. We see so many imageries and different things that have to do with creation. We see day and night, light and darkness. We see the moon. We see the stars. And the, also the really cool part about this is verses 1 through 7 are one really long sentence. With lots and lots of commas which means the main theme of these seven verses, is remember your creator. So as we read these and as we think about this, we have to remember that first part, remember your creator. And verses two through five speak to our daily journey with God. We see this idea of rest. The strong men are bent, the grinders cease, and all these things stop. Things are shut. Things become low. This sense of rest that there is a huge run-on sentence here just simply about what we do. And this idea that once we stop doing this, we see that the almond trees continue to blossom, that the grasshopper drags itself along. We see that nature will continue to move forward even when we cease to work. The idea that the creator is always at work even when we are not is so humbling. And when we see this and recognize the fact that we are remembering our creator when we work and when we cease from work and when we can sit back and look at nature and recognize the fact that God is still at work out there even though we're not even out there, we can recognize the last section, which is a callback to the fact that this entire section is, is about uncertainty and the most uncertain things we can be about is when we die. And the last, or six, verses six and seven, are about things ending and turning into dust, which is also a reference to Genesis. <laughs> From the dust we were made, into the dust we shall return. We are remembering the Creator towards the end as well. So whether we're young and enjoying life, or whether we're old, this is a call to remember the Creator because He is at work, whether we notice it or not and as the preacher tells us in verse 8 that nothing else matters (laughs) vanity of vanity says the preacher if we don't remember who god is if we don't recognize that he's at work in our lives and around us none of it matters our lives mean nothing without god nothing absolutely nothing. It's chasing after the wind. It's running after something we will never be able to grasp. And that takes tremendous faith to sit back and go, gosh, if I don't remember the creator, if I don't rejoice in what he has given me, my life means nothing. That takes faith. And even in the randomness and uncertainty of life, God is still at work. And it's only when we look back that we can truly see what he's been doing all along. And I mentioned this at the beginning with my own story, that it's only when I look back that I can see that the most uncertain time in my entire life where I had no idea what direction I was going, whether God was listening or not, he was creating a story that was better than anything I could ever write. He led me to my wife. He led me to my little boy. He led me to you guys. But it was from a place of uncertainty that God had to write the story, and I had no idea what he was doing. There are times even now where Heidi and I just bought a house, and I'm overwhelmed by the things we have to repair, the bills, everything like that. But then when I remember back when we were in Davis trying to figure out how we we're going to pay for seminary and rent, and all of a sudden somebody writes us a check randomly. Or the other day sitting at home and I'm going, man, like I just crunched the numbers. Woo, we can make it. It's going to be tight. And all of a sudden we get a check from Kaiser because they messed up on something. <laughs> right? God is at work even when we are uncertain and even when we think we can't make it forward. God is at work in our lives writing a story that is more beautiful than anything we could ever write. And I'm not trying to say that this is the prosperity gospel or that God will come through to give you your wildest dreams. No, what I'm saying is he is with you in your struggle. That no matter what you are facing, there is a God that created the entire universe that is writing your story, whether it be that you have cancer, whether it be that your marriage is falling apart. God is still at work in the hardships of our lives. God was still at work in my sin. God can transform our lives because he is the creator of all things. And when we read these verses, we need to remember that that in uncertainty, we have a choice to rejoice and remember that God is in control of all things. And that takes faith. And when I think of faith, I think of the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there with me. Hebrews 11, 1 through 3 says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their condemnation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was made out of things that are visible. When we think of faith and when we think of remembering our creator, We have to remember that faith is not based on certainty. Faith is based on uncertainty. It's based on going, God, you showed up in the past and you're going to continue to show up. I'm going to trust you in this. Or it's, God, you got me through that hardship there. You can get me through this. It may not be easy, but God, you are with me in this. And we see this throughout scripture. In fact, this entire chapter in Hebrews calls back to all the stories of the Old Testament about the faith of Abraham, the faith of Moses, the faith of David, the faith of the prophets. And we see how God brought them through some of the hardest situations. Slavery. Torment, torture, things that were being done to them, and yet their faith got them through it because they believed that God is the creator of all things and that he had them. And so life may be crazy and unpredictable at times, but with faith we can remember the creator of the universe is in control. He has been at work far before we were ever born, and he will be at work far after we are gone. But will we step out in faith and trust that he is guiding us, that he has us, that no matter what we face, we have a God that created the entire universe that is writing a story that is more beautiful than anything we can ever imagine. This is the path that the preacher has led himself on to a point where he reflects on everything and goes, everything is uncertain, but I will rejoice in the gifts God has given me, and I will remember what he has done, is doing, and will do. So Lord, as we head into a time of worship, I pray that we would do the same. I pray that we would remember the ways that you have been present in our lives, the ways that you have shown up, the ways that you have guided us even when we have failed. You continue to love us even when we don't deserve it. Lord, I pray for those of us in this room that are struggling. Lord, I pray that we would recognize that you are with us. You have not left us. You are still at work even when we cannot see you. God, we love you. We trust you. Help us have faith in things that are uncertain. Lord, help us have faith in you, even though we may never truly understand what you are doing or what you are doing in our lives. God, you are at work in mysterious ways, but you are leading us. I pray that we would be willing to step out in faith. In Jesus' name, amen.